0: It's good to see you guys. Man, we got gifted musicians and uh, man, just amazing worship. Thank you guys so much. Uh, This is kind of weird now. I'm trying to buckle my clip. I can't find it. There we go. Don't know what to do with my hands right now up here. Okay, Um, so uh, it's good to be back up here. It has been a month since I've preached. I know someone gave me a hard time the other day and asked me if I was still the pastor, if I'd resign. (laughs) No, Uh, man, it's just been a whirlwind going on. Uh, Literally a month ago uh, from today, if you will, uh, we were supposed to finish up Ecclesiastes. And the ice storm hit and just messed everything up. And then the weekend after, uh, I had planned, normally in July, I have uh, Paul Burleson come into a three-week series to allow me to long-term plan. So I planned it for November. And Paul Burleson was supposed to come preach. And the Thursday before, he called me up and said, man, I have the worst news. He said, I just found out I tested positive for COVID. I said, man, I'm so sorry. And luckily, they're doing well. I have heard that. But so we're, we're trying to figure out all this sort of stuff. I'm like, well, I'll just preach my Ecclesiastes series. But then the very next day, we found out I was exposed to COVID. And so what do we do? I'm locked up at home, and Tony's like, hey, third-string quarterback, I'll come up and fill the, fill the pulpit. And he does, and that's what. thank you so much, Tony, filling. Then to add insult to injury, next week, uh, we find out at 1130 Saturday night, there's no power at the church. And uh, me and Emily are in lockdown. We can't come help. And Matt and Ian scram, scramble and pull everything off for Testimony Sunday. It's just been a whirlwind of going on. So I just want to brag, one, first and foremost, on all the people who stepped up in this. I've never had so many audibles take place in services over a span of weeks. Uh, but Matt, Ian, and tech team, man, thank you guys so much. Can you give them a round of applause, man? i am telling you right now, I'm not trying to <laughs> delay, but uh, I literally did nothing and they did everything. So that's typically how pastors work. So, well, I'm glad you're here. It's good to see all your faces here. Good to see you guys here online. I had a lot of people last service. Glad to see you guys as well. Um, we are kicking off a Christmas series. I don't know how you feel about that. If that gets you excited, it gets me excited. I have to confess, as I was locked down in my house and you know trying to be safe, trying to figure out what was going on, I had nothing else to do, so... I decorated my house for Christmas, so we have had Christmas decorations on our house. We've had a Christmas tree now up for three weeks already. I know, some of you guys hate me, some of you are like, praise Jesus. And it kind of leads into a question I want to ask, if you can do me a favor and discuss with the people next to you real quick, what is it that gets you into the Christmas spirit? Real quick, with the people you're with, yep, the crowd participation, talk to them, uh, look around and say, what is it that gets you in the Christmas spirit? What is that thing? Is there some sort of song? Is it, you know, grandma or her ugly Christmas sweater she wears or Aunt Bevy in her fruitcake? What, what is that thing that just gets you all fired up for Christmas? You guys online, drop a line, text on there, type on there, say uh, one word. Maybe it's Christmas vacation movie or I don't know, whatever it is. You drop something on there. Let us know what makes you excited for Christmas, gets you excited. We're bringing it back in. I have to ask this question, like trying to get a pulse of the room in here, trying to see what my audience is like right now. If you're the type of person that you have been ready for Christmas since October 31st, would you raise your hand like I have been ready to go? Okay. If you're the person like, listen, I'm not going to be ready for another two more weeks for Christmas. If that's you, would you raise your hand? I I could have expected that, Sean. I could have have rolled my dice on that one and won on that one. I don't know what gets you excited. I'm about to get ridiculed for this, but it's okay. I set myself up all the time. One of the things that gets me excited every year, and I love to watch it. Watch it the other day with my kids is the movie uh, Mickey's Christmas Carol. I don't know, reminisce of my childhood something like that. I, I love watching it. I enjoy watching it with it, Sean. I don't need your casting judgment in the corner. Like, I, it just gets me excited. Okay, I, I watch this movie for some reason, man. It makes me think like, of my child. Makes me think things. So like, man, I, just, man, I'm getting that Christmas spirit. Or the first time I hear on the radio this song. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. That's all you need. That's really all you need right there. Like, I'm done. I'm done, man. Give me an ugly Christmas spirit. Give me some hot cocoa, man. I'm good to go right now. I'm excited. Like, it gets me going. My first Christmas CD ever owned was uh, Frank Sinatra's Classic Hits, man. I used to listen all the time as a little kid and whatnot. I I just get excited about that stuff. My wife, on another note, uh, hers is anytime she sees this sign right here at Brahms, when we drive by Brahms and she sees pumpkin ice cream is here, man, she is in the Christmas spirit. Or pumpkin spice, fill in the blank. It doesn't matter what it is. Anything. I'll be like, hey, I'm going to a coffee, uh, coffee place. You want a coffee? I said, what do you want? She goes, anything that says pumpkin spice. I don't care what it is. I want it. And that's, that's, that's our household. She gets excited about that. I, I don't know what gets you excited, what gets you ready for Christmas. But that's the question I want to introduce and ask you today is this, is are you ready? Are, are you ready for Christmas? Are you honestly ready? These next four weeks, we're doing kind of an Advent-focused Christmas series uh, to kind of get us in the spirit. And you say, well, what is Advent? Advent's an old term. It's a Latin word that means coming. It means getting ready for the coming of Christ and the second coming as well. It's a whole mindful focus of saying, how can we intentionally prepare ourselves and focus to make Christmas about Christ and be ready for it and not be surprised by what comes? Uh, For kids right now, they're doing Advent calendars at home that you should have started yesterday, or if not, you can start them today, you get after it, but man, how how can we prepare ourselves? Over the next four weeks, we're going to look at different topics. Today, we're going to look at preparation. Next week, we'll talk about anticipation. The week after, we'll talk about exaltation, and the last week, uh, which some of you classes I know have talked about, is talking about incarnation. And we'll be tackling some of these things and discussing with you. And, and all these things are through the lens of the Gospel of Luke. So if you have your Bible, open with me to the Gospel of Luke or open your Bible app, whichever is your preference. Or if you like the shader version, just look over your neighbor's shoulders and read their Bible. That's what is accepted in this church as well. But Luke chapter 1, we're going to look at and see what Luke has to say And our whole time through this Advent series. We're going to be looking at, well, what does Luke say about the nativity? So Luke chapter 1, hopefully you guys are there, I've given you enough time. Uh, We're going to start with verse 1 through 4 as we unpack the kind of the setup. See, Luke's writing this book, and he kind of gives an explanation of what his purpose with this book that he's writing, the gospel of Luke's all about. And look what he says. He says, many people have set out to write accounts about the events that have been fulfilled among us, that they've used eyewitness uh, reports circulating among us from the early disciples. He says, having carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I also have decided to write carefully an account for you, most honorable Theophilus. Theophilus is believed to be the donor who helped pay for uh, him to write this, and so he's actually writing this knowing it'd be going to all. But verse 4 is really the point. He says, so you can be certain of the truth of everything you were taught. He sets out and says, listen, a lot of people have wrote, and at this time he's like, a lot of people have put an account of who Jesus was, what he's all about. Some of it's firsthand, some of it's not. But my desire, my desire is to write a gospel so that you will have an informed and validated decision on what it means to follow Christ. I want you to have confidence in your walk with Christ. I want you to have confidence in what you've heard. And when I read it, I'm like, well, what gives Luke the audacity to say, man, I'm a credible person that can do this? Well, you have to understand some of Luke's background to give appreciation to this. First and foremost, Luke is a a Greek. He comes from a Greek culture. Greeks in their culture value uh, historical accuracy. That was an important aspect of their cultural time. And so for him, you know when he's writing this letter, he's valuing things. And listen, it's important to me to be historical accurate to what actually took place with Christ. Not, Not just that, we also know from other things that Luke was a physician. He was a doctor. He was meticulous with details. It was important to him that he broke down details. When you read through the Gospel of Luke, you can see this in action. There's a time when Jesus is standing before the Sanhedrin in in trial, and it talks about literally the smell of smoke and the time of day when the rooster, like all these tiny minute details. Luke does that. When you read, you can like, man, he is painting you a beautiful word picture as accurate as possible. But how do we know it's true? How do do we know what he's talking about? Well, we also know he was the companion of Paul. He stood right by Paul's side and listened. Paul took him when they went and talked to John and and, and Matthew and and Peter and James, his brother brother of Jesus. He heard firsthand accounts of what Jesus, like he has heard directly from the mouth of people who saw it from the self. And so he is a very credible source. And he starts his story as you would start any story. It's interesting. It's interesting. He starts his story uh, with the birth Now, think about this real quick. If you were to tell the story of a birth of your child, how would you start the story? When when mom and dad had met, uh, you know, whenever I was at the hospital, would you start about the nieces and nephews being born? Probably not, but that's how this story starts. He starts with not Jesus. He starts with a whole different baby, John the Baptist, his cousin. Like, it's kind of a crazy start, and it reads us into our things. Why does Jesus' story not even start with Jesus? It starts with a whole different baby. Well, let's keep reading. Let's see what's going on. So Luke chapter 1, verse 5 through 7 says this. It says, When Herod was king of Judea, there was a Jewish priest named Zechariah. He was a member of the priestly order of Abijah. And his wife, Elizabeth, was also from the priestly line of Aaron. In other words, he said, listen, uh, Zechariah was a guy, his family line was known for being priests. They were ordained to be priests, and he's more or less faithfully doing what he's called to do. And verse 6 is so interesting. It says, Zachariah and Elizabeth were righteous in God's eyes. It says, man, they were faithful. It says, careful to obey all the Lord's commandments and regulations. That's an important detail for what comes next. He's like, listen, of people, they were righteous, they were faithful. They did everything God wanted them to do. But look what's next. But they had no children because Elizabeth was unable to conceive, and they were both very old. Now, this isn't the point of our sermon today, but I think it's so interesting. He's a priest serving Temple, and he's faithful, does everything right, but yet in this time and culture, to not have kids was frowned upon to believe that you must have some sin in your life because you're obviously punished by God. Imagine that, faithfully doing everything right every single day, and yet not being blessed with the thing you think God should bless you with. It's a truth that, again, is not the point of the sermon, but faithfulness doesn't always result in worldly blessings. Just because you're faithful, Lord, and do all the things doesn't mean God's going to give you what you want or give you what the world tells you you should deserve. As a matter of fact, can I say this? Her delayed deliverance of actually having a baby, which we'll see in a minute, served a divine purpose. I need you to understand, some of you guys right now have maybe bought into a prosperity gospel that me following Christ is going to make my life easier, more comfortable, more whatever. And it's just not true. That's not in Scripture Sometimes we suffer for the sake of Christ because we're part of his divine narrative and he wants to use us to be a part of his story. And so if God has not delivered you from a situation, it has nothing sometimes to do with your faithfulness or God's love for you, it means God maybe sometimes has a better purpose for your story. But it doesn't stop there. Look what happens. Verse 8, it says, One day Zechariah was serving God in the temple, for his order was on duty that week. In other words, he was going through the motions of his everyday work life. It says, as was the custom of the priest, he was chosen by lot to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and burn incense. It says, while the incense was being burned, a great crowd stood outside praying. I love, he's gets chosen by random lot, right? Literally, they're casting dice to choose whose turn it is to go inside the holy place. You see, in the temple, they had the holy of holies, which only God resided in. Once a year on the day of Yom Kippur, they would go and do an atonement for sacrifices. But you never went in there. Outside of it was the holy place that was a place that only the priests that were chosen by lot they literally cast dice. Imagine it's like this. All right, you're, you're going to be number six. You're five, three, two, one. We don't really don't want you to go to it, so we're not going to count you. you know, and they, they do it, and they roll the dice. All right, number one, oh, Zachariah, it's your turn. That's how he's chosen to go in. It seems by mere coincidence, but reality, when we read this, listen, it's by divine appointment God appointed him there. Can I just say, like, again, not really a point of my sermon, just beautiful truths in Scripture. You, you being here today is not a coincidence, You might say, well, I was just checking out this church, or I was just, this is what I always do. It's my random routine. It's whatever. I just so happen to log online and come on. Listen, God sets up divine appointments every day that we think is coincidence where God comes and acts in ways in our life that we never expected. And he's burning incense. And you say, what's all that about? He would go in and he would burn incense and people would be standing outside the temple looking up. And as he burned incense, smoke would be going up. And as the people saw it, the smoke symbolized prayers literally going up to God. And as people are looking outside the tent, they're looking up and they're praying to God saying, I'm seeing my prayers rising to God. And they begin to pray, believing just like the incense going up, their prayers would go up with God. I can only imagine Zechariah standing here, and he spent years begging, God, I just want a son, I just want a child, I just want a daughter, I want a kid. Would you please give me this? Years of years with no response. And he's sitting here praying, and he's just going through his routines, and what's beautiful is what happens next. Verse 11. It says, while he was praying, while Saul was in the sanctuary, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing to the right of the incense altar. Zechariah was shaken, overwhelmed with fear when he saw him, but the angel said, don't be afraid. Zechariah knew scripture when he was around holy things man he realized like woe is me I should not be in the presence of what I'm seeing but the angel's like hey chill out dude you're good like God's got you all right that this was meant to be he says don't worry God has heard your prayer your wife Elizabeth will give you a son in your name of John I love and I just want to stop there I know I'm stopping a lot but I love how God appears in the mundane routines of life how often do we expect God to show up in the miraculous, or we have to radically expect God, like, listen, I'm going to do this, I'm going to jump off the cliff, and God's going to save it. God, Listen, and throughout Scripture, it's in our mundane, routine process of life where God shows up in the most radical way. That's why it's so important when you go to work, when you're with your children, when you sit at the table, be faithful with every moment, because you never know when God's going to actually show up and do something miraculous. That, that's faith, Is when you sit there and say, you know what, at any moment, God might literally show up. How many times has Zachariah been in the same place? How many times have he prayed and God not answered his prayer and he interpreted delayed prayer with God ignoring him? God, you just don't listen. God's like, no, I've heard you. It just wasn't time yet. I don't know about you. I've prayed a lot of times for God where he has not come through. And sometimes I ask, was it my sin? Is there something in me where God's not listening? In reality, God listens, but God's saying just not right now. But yet he comes to Zechariah and he says, listen, I have joy. I've heard your prayer. I haven't forgotten you. I haven't ignored you. And I come today. he says, he says, you're going to give birth to a son. You're going to name him John and you will have great joy and gladness. And many will rejoice at his birth for he will be great in the eyes of the Lord. He must never touch wine or other alcoholic drinks. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth. He will turn many Israelites to the Lord their God. He will be a man in the spirit of the power of Elijah. He will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. He will turn their hearts of the Father to their children. He will cause those who are rebellious to accept the wisdom of the godly. I love how God has a divine purpose for his kids. He's like, listen, you're going to have a kid and I have a plan for his life. How often do I try to control my kid's life and I think I know what's best when God knows what's best for my kids. And if I would just go to him and say, what do you want me to do with my daughters, God? I know, I think, I know what's best, but let's be real. Like, you, you got a better plan than I do. Now imagine when we find out later, which we're not going to cover today, like, John struggles with this. He comes, God's like, you're going to have a kid, and he's like, listen. You're going to see him now kind of looking over his shoulder, like, make sure Elizabeth's not here. Like, I ain't going to say this to her face, but she old. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, I've never said to mama's face, but she old. Like, she ain't going to, I'm not saying, like, she, she ain't going to have kids, all right? Like, like, some like, say grandma's pregnant, it'd be kind of weird. Like, it's just... It ain't going to happen here, you know? And he's sitting here resting, like, what do I make sense of this guy? Like, what are you going to do? And literally God's like, because you don't trust me, I'm going to shut your mouth. And the first words you're going to say after your son's born is that this boy's John. (laughs) Like, you're going to name the kid. Imagine the situation, years of prayer. He finally gets it, and God's like, I do it. Like, having this divine appointment, and he still doesn't believe it. He's like, nah, there's no way. It's amazing how sometimes we struggle with all this. And he says, your son's going to be in the spirit of Elijah. Elijah was an Old Testament prophet that came with the purpose to prepare the hearts of the people. And he had a message that he repeated over. It's repent. Repent. You need to repent. It's an unpopular message today. It's tell people, hey, listen, you you have sin in your life. And whether you like to hear it or not, your sin has separated you from the love of God. But Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins so that you no longer have to live in that kind of lifestyle. It's a message we don't want to tell, but it's a message he said that John is brought to bring in the same spirit of Elijah. And it's such a neat and interesting thing. But my question is this, is why does Jesus' story start with John the Baptist? It's not Jesus here. Why does it start with John? I think the big thing is this, is Christ's coming takes preparation. It's about preparing the way for the Lord. That's our big idea today is this, simply this, for Christmas, we need to start preparing the way for the Lord. When we decided that we were gonna have when we got pregnant and we had Addy and stuff, listen, we didn't just show up at the hospital we're like, well, there she is. We started preparing before. We started decorating the house. My, you know, mama got in nesting road, you know, about six months before and we're decorating the room and stuff. And I had colors in my room I never thought I'd have of pinks and purples. And what, what is all this nonsense? And, and and I'm learning how to we're getting toys and stuff, getting ready for kids, and spend hours trying to figure out how to be together. I'm watching YouTube videos to figure out how to put a dad gum a seatbelt buckle of a, a kids car seat in a car, which still is an anomaly to me. I mean, all this sort of stuff. There was a lot of preparation to place. You just don't show up and a kid just get there. There's preparation that takes place. And the truth is, for this year for Christmas, listen, and every year for Christmas, listen, Christ's coming takes preparation. And support for Christmas that we start preparing our hearts, preparing our home for the coming of the Lord. As a matter of fact, in biblical times and throughout history, these people that would come, like John, were called heralds. And they would literally go and prepare the way for the coming king that was coming to that town. In Caesar's time, he would go and he would bring what was called a gospel can I tell you something? Christians stole that terminology from the Romans. It was called the gospel, the good news of Caesar. Talk about his conquest. Talking about he was the son of God. All this terminology we're familiar with. And they would send a herald to the towns before him. And as he went to the town, if there was a tree in the way, he would remove the tree so that Caesar would have nothing stopping him, slowing him down from coming to town. And he would come to the town like, hey, guys, Caesar's coming. Make sure you're here on the 23rd. Do not miss this. He's coming. He's got a message. You don't want to miss it. Get your house ready. You know, get everything ready. He's coming. That's what heralds would do. And John came to serve that purpose. We have a responsibility this Christmas to be in the same spirit as John the Baptist and prepare the way for the Lord. Now, I just want to give some practical things. You might say, well, how do I do do this, Eric? How do I practically prepare the way for the Lord? Like, what do we see here that we need to take? Well, look real quick at verse 17, because this is where I think the nuts and bolts of this this passage is. He said, he will prepare the way for the coming of the Lord. How? Because he will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children. Charles Spurgeon, the great Charles Spurgeon once said, and I love what he said about this, he says it's about arousing uh, their attention, arousing the attention of the children. In other words, bringing the attention that, hey, something is different. How often do we sleepwalk through Christmas and we go through the same motions year after year and completely miss the entire purpose of what we're truly celebrating? I mean, honestly, I've already asked you, what's your Christmas routine? Nearly every single one of you could go through every year what you do. Christmas Eve at our house. So I'll tell you what. Right before our kids go to bed, we're going to open one present each, and the present is going to be some sort of game for that game night. We're going to play. We're going to tuck the kids at night and send out, hang on his cookies and milk, and it's going to be ready. And the next morning, we're going to get up, open presents, and we're going to go through this, and we're going to have family over eating a big. Every year, it's the same routine. It's the same thing, and we can easily sleepwalk, go through the motions with Christmas, and completely miss the attention that needs to be brought that Christ is coming. We miss it, and he's saying, "Listen, you need to wake up." Snap out of it. Let me ask you something just to kind of poke and prod a little bit, if you'll allow me. Have you ever given Christ the amount of attention and detail that your Christmas lights and decoration have got? Have you ever spent the time sitting out and mapping out, man, where is my Christmas tree going to go? Where where is this so everyone can see it? And given the same amount of attention and detail to make sure, hey, how are we going to make sure that Christ is known this year? How are we going to make sure Christ is a part of this Christmas? Too often, we just kind of hope that by happenstance, it happens. And he's saying, listen, pr- prepare the way for the Lord. Open the door that he can actually come. And so what you intentionally to do is you need intentionally plan for Christ this Christmas. This year for Christmas, don't let it happen. Sit down. When you guys are in the car ride home, sit down and say, how are we going to make sure Christ is represented well in our household, in our life this Christmas, and not let this thing flee past us and move away? As a matter of fact, you may say, well, who's responsible? Look who it is. He said, fathers to their children. Fathers, listen, parents, wake up. You need to tell your kids about Christ this Christmas. He's alluding to Deuteronomy 6, verse 4 through 8, the Shema in the Old Testament. It says, love the Lord God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind. He says, do this and teach it to your children. Talk about when you wake up. Talk about when you go to bed. Talk about when you sit there. Put it on your doorpost. Put it in every aspect of your life so your kids can't miss the message. Don't, don't miss the messages here. Now, for those of you right there going, I'm giving the excuse. Well, I don't have kids. My kids are out of the house. I'm 13, Eric, (laughs) whatever it is. Can can I say this for you? Listen, then maybe it's time that you start parenting your grandkids. Maybe you need to parent your parents. Maybe you need to parent your friends. Maybe you need to parent your neighbors, your coworkers. Listen, don't just shug the responsibility and say, listen, I have an opportunity where I can go to work tomorrow and intentionally make Christ known this Christmas to people around me. You have a responsibility. Don't shuck. And so he says that. But not just that. Let me give you my last one right here. He says, Not only do you want to turn their hearts to the children, but he said also, He will cause those who are rebellious to accept the wisdom of the godly. Charles Spurgeon, again, if I can steal from him for a second, says this. He, t- he says, Awakening their conscience. What was John the Baptist's message? You know what it was? Repent. Hey, repent. Repent. Hey, it's not a popular message. To tell people, listen, the truth and reality is why we need Christ is because your sin has separated you from a loving God that wants to be with you. And as long as you worship this life and worship that sin and allow that sin to rule in your life, God has no place in your home in your life. And there comes a point you have to sacrifice and say, God, I need your salvation. I need your gift of mercy. I need this. And if we don't tell people that message, they're never going to understand the need and the importance of the baby that came right there. You have to tell people the truth. Too often we're in churches, we want to tell people what they want to hear. Listen, you need to tell people what they don't want to hear because that's what they need to hear. And so we need to open our mouth and arouse their conscience to what's going on, awaken their conscience. The question is, are we making the need for Christ known? Now, I want you to think about this. On November 27, 1997, there was, there was mass hysteria that hit the United States. Like people were fighting, there was outbreaks going on, like people just terrorizing one another. There was literally uh, people getting trampled, uh, getting maimed and stuff, fights breaking out, all over one thing, all over one thing. You know what it is? It's this right here. Who's giving everybody the giggles? It's Tickle Me Elmo. When your child tickles him, he talks, laughs, laughs, and his whole body shakes. (laughs) Tickle Me Elmo and his Tickle Me friends from the Tyco Sesame Street family. How many of you honestly have one of those? How many of you were one of those parents? Come on, there you go. Thank you, Andy. I appreciate your honesty back there. I remember this. I remember the mass hysteria. If you don't know, you missed it. It came about again just a few years later. And then a four, about four or five years later, it popped up again. Black Friday, people went crazy about this thing. Which always baffles me. You know, Thanksgiving, we sit around, God, thank you for everything that happened. And the next day we go and trample people because we're angry at what we don't have and killing people to get the tickle me elmo doll. Like it just baffles me. Isn't it great? And the whole thing is this, like, listen, the whole idea with people is they're so adamant to make sure their kids get this ridiculous laughing red doll. Listen, what would happen if we had the same passion that nothing would stop us to make sure people knew the message of the cross? We we will literally trample people almost to death to get a tickle me on the doll, but we will not barely open our mouth to tell people their need for Christ. Until we see the need and the passion, listen, we're missing the message, the need for Christmas. And, and so this Christmas, listen, I'll tell you what you need to do. You need to intentionally, I'll say it again, intentionally communicate the message of Christ. Don't just say, well, if it happens, it happens. No, you need to plan it out. You need to choreograph a conversation. For those of you who have kids right now, you have a wonderful opportunity, these Advent calendars to take every day, have an opportunity to share with your kids. You don't have that Google. It's amazing. How do I talk about, like, walk through, find something, ask us. We'd love nothing more, but do not let this pass by. You have a responsibility to do this. That means for many of you, if not all of you, it means this year you're going to need to make Christmas awkward. That means you're going to have to have a conversation you've never had before. Well, wait a second, we've never done that Christmas. Now's the time. Can I tell you something? When I get with my mom, I'll tell you one thing that happened. It'll be awkward for you, but it's not awkward for me. If she's going to make you pray in the most awkward situations, we might be standing in the middle of Walmart in the middle of the aisle, and she'll grab 10 people's hands and say, let's pray. And we're still like, okay, Grandma, this is awkward, but whatever. I'm used to it because she does it all the time. She always does. She's always preaching the gospel to the point that I'm embarrassed to say, as a pastor, I'm like, it's, it's, it's weird. Stop, Mom. I'm like, this is weird. But here's the thing. It's not awkward because I know and I come to expect it from her. If you have not talked about your family in Christ, it's going to be awkward, so let's make it not awkward anymore. I love the theme that they put together is some things never change, but can I tell you the truth? Some things need to change. And while I'm frustrated as you are about what's going on in our environment with COVID, and it's blown up, and listen, my Thanksgiving didn't look the same as it did. My Christmas is probably not going to look the same as it did. In some ways, I'm thankful because my Christmas, how I've always done it, needs to be blown up. Suddenly God needs to start showing up and I need to start saying you know what? I need to quit going through the routines and sleepwalking through this all. I need to sit down and make Christ a part of my Christmas. And it all starts with preparation. Most people start the weekend after Thanksgiving to start preparing for Christmas. Now's the time to do it. Don't let it slip by. Can I tell you something that happens in our household? And it's happened every day, every night for the past 150 days, at least. We were talking about it yesterday. Every night I will go in, nearly every night, I'll go in and tuck in my youngest daughter Hallie. And she makes me tuck her in a certain order of her blankets, her, her, her unicorn blanket, her red blanket, her big blanket. She has a giant unicorn doll that I have to put on top of her on top of all that. Okay. Then I have to sing her a night-night song, which isn't pretty, but she enjoys it nonetheless. I, I throw it out there. And, and without a doubt, within five minutes, after I've done all that, she'll do what every kid will do, right? She'll get out of bed. I'm like, why did I tuck you in after you just... She'll get out of bed. She'll walk in our room, and she says, I forgot to do something, Daddy, every night, every night. She'll say, I forgot to ask Alexa how many days to my birthday. And she'll come in and she'll say in her room, and I'm lying, I'm dying, and she'll say, Hey Alexa, how many, how many days till December 20th? If you don't know, yesterday it was 22, today it's 21, in case you're wondering. Every day, every dadgum night that happens. Can I tell you something? We are not gonna miss that birthday. Every day, that little child makes sure we know that Christmas is coming. How many days and it's coming? Now listen, can I make a point? Listen, you have 26 days until a baby's coming. 26 days from today. Don't believe me? I asked Alexa. What are you going to do? You're going to let it fly by and just say, oh man, I missed it. My bad. You're going to count down the days knowing that in 26 days, Christ is coming. Are you going to prepare your home, prepare your life, prepare what's going on? Guys, listen, Christ is going to show up. Do you expect to see him there? Are you going to be shocked that a baby's there on Christmas Day and you've completely missed the whole birth, the whole nativity, all that's what's going on because you went through the motions of life. You've gone every year. This year for Advent, we have to start preparing for the coming of the Lord. So I'm going to ask because I've laid it on thick. I'm going to ask where you're at with your head bowed, your eyes closed. Just allow God to stir in your heart. If God is convicting you, great. Do something about it. So maybe right now you're going to ask the Lord and say, God, what do you want me to do with this information? Maybe you make a commitment to the Lord. God, when I get in the car, when I I get off online, me and my wife, me and my husband, right now are going to talk about what are we going to do to prepare for the coming of Christ this year. Because our house is not going to be caught by surprise. We're going to be ready. Who are those conversations as I was talking about people that you know that you need to talk to? What changes and plans do you need to make this year to intentionally make sure that Christ is represented, but is not just represented, but he is the mantelpiece of your house this year? What do you need to do? Don't let it go by. Because just like John the Baptist, you were called to come in in the same spirit and prepare the way for the Lord. I want to talk real quick to a different audience. There's some of you in here that have never put your faith in Jesus Christ. You know the nativity, you know Easter, but you really don't know more than that. Or maybe even coming to church your whole life and going through teens and and you know you've just never came and put your faith and hope in Jesus Christ. Can I tell you like the, the it has the way has been prepared today for you. There has been time and energy put into the worship so that you could experience firsthand the worship of God. There has been time put into a sermon so you could hear the truth of the gospels. There's been time and energy put into the lighting and everything so that we could pave the way to give you the best opportunity to meet Christ. There are people online right now The desire for you to find it has been prepared. The question is with this gift, how are you going to respond? If you want that gift, if you want that joy, if you want that truth, all you have to do is this. You just have to ask Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior. It's as simple as prayer as this. Father God, I know I've sinned. Father God, I know I cannot save myself. I know that you came and died on the cross so that I could have a way and I ask you to be my God. I give my life to you. Even if you jumbled up those words and messed them up, if you understand what it is and you mean, listen, the Bible says that you were saved this Christmas can to have a whole different meaning for you this year. So I invite you to that journey. The rest of our church family, I invite you to not let this year slip by. Father God, I thank you so much for who you are. I thank you so much for sending your son. I thank you so much for the message that you've given me to share. I thank you so much for the worship and the praise that's brought. I thank you for all the preparation. But God, I, I expect you to show up. I expect you to come. I pray the rest of our church family. Let us leave here changed. I praise you for being faithful in all things. In Jesus' I'm I pray. Amen. I'm so grateful you've joined us today, whether in, in person or online. I'm so excited about what God's going to do in this season. I'm so grateful to the people of this church who have stepped up and helped in so many ways. I continue to love and support many of you guys give. And we're going to conclude with some worship and some great songs here in just a second. But I want to invite you as well to not forget an act of worship is through giving and tithes back in the buckets we have. Some are online. You can give through our new online platform you can do. It. I encourage you to do that. If you are a guest, can I say real quick, listen, you have no obligation to give. Please do not feel guilty walking by those buckets. I don't want to make you feel bad. I don't want to guilt you anything. That is for our membership who have come and chose to be a part of this body and committed to that, to be faithful to that. If you're a guest and you want to give in worship, hey, you are welcome to that. Please feel no obligation whatsoever. I'm so grateful to have you guys here today. Would you guys do me a favor and would you stand and let's worship the Lord together.